Hello and welcome to Off Time Drive. My name is Tyler Andropino. And my name is Michael Holler. Thank you once again for joining us in this uh, exciting week of news and things. It's been a hell of a, a time to be alive uh, in the world of pop culture. Um, as you all know, uh, Game of Thrones, a television show on the HBO that everybody seemed to like for like four Ever. seasons. For, well, um, <laughs> a lot of people liked it a lot longer than I liked it. My I liked it. are watching it now. Like, what the? Like, how the fuck did that happen? Uh, are they? Were they? Were they upset? Have they seen the whole thing? Or are they? I, I talked to so many people who were like, "Oh, I just started uh, watching this week. Um, don't spoil it." And I'm like, <laughs> "Well, what the fuck do you want me to do about it? Like, that's 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 too late. You've waited too long. Did they finish or?" Uh, Yes, they. You know, it's it's funny. Like I'm talking to a lot of people watching the show. My parents uh, started watching it. They got my sister and her family to start watching it. Um, all across the board, uh, they're disappointed. Even even like my uncle in like Vancouver is watching it and everything. Um, they're all of the camp. Uh, they have this giant group text, and we were all talking about it. And they're all of the camp. We're like HBO should just remake season eight. And I had to to stop and be like, okay. That's not going to happen. This yeah. isn't. That's not how things work. There was a petition going uh, going around online that got like millions of signatures within like a week, saying uh, remake the last season of HBO or it's, HBO of Game of Thrones. It's yeah, it's precisely what happened when uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi was released. It's the same thing that happened earlier this year when Voltron season eight was released. Also, season eight that was weird. Um, yeah, no, it's it's been a it's been a year of uh, sequels, finales, conclusions. Um, we'll we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Hold on one second. Siegfried, get out the closet. Oh my god. <laughs> um, good boy. Um, but yeah, no, I was I was having this conversation uh, with someone, and it seems like twenty nineteen seems to be the year where everything's coming to a close you're getting a lot of season finales you're getting a lot of like threes and trilogies or even just like endings of franchises yeah uh and so far i think i've, I've run across two finales that i think have been satisfying to me um and those came way out of left field mm-hmm. well which were they uh the two that i think were actually surprising was one i thought how to train your dragon three solid uh, and two, the surprising one, uh, story mode for Mortal Kombat 11. That was, uh, <laughs> that was, I, I gave no shits about that. Uh, yeah. but, but watched it and always, I, I had a, I always have a fun time with the Mortal Kombat stories cause they're, they're not particularly great, but they're, they're enjoyable. They're, they're pulpy. It's like watching a grindhouse film, you know, where it's, it's, it's not incredible or groundbreaking storytelling, but there's something so guilty pleasure about watching them you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah no mortal kombat 11 uh exciting fun conclusion you enjoyed it i enjoyed it no. yeah no it's uh it's it's been a year of ups and downs on the on the flip side of that uh someone told me into the badlands was terrible which i don't give a fuck about that show um game of thrones terrible uh i'm disappointed to say i'm not excited for star wars episode 9 
Well, um, Game of Thrones did wrap up. Uh, when you you started, when did you pick it back up? You had fallen off for a little while. Then uh, we were talking about it at the beginning of this season, and you told me that you liked uh, season seven, which I yeah. thought was bonkers. Yeah, you liked the, the, the more abridged pace of it, the, the, the breezier pace, is what I, you were saying. I did. Well, it felt like here's what happened. Um, I think season five is where the show lost me. Mm-hmm. Same. S- season five seemed really rudderless in the fact that, like, none of the main storylines that were happening really went anywhere, and it all felt like time was being wasted until something else happened. That was also the season where it, it felt like a lot of the nuance in the characters was lost. Because I think one of the things that made Game of Thrones so remarkably watchable uh, was the fact that even the down to the most finite details uh, all had a remarkable amount of nuance and cleverness to the writing. Yeah. Like, you'd have conversations between uh, Peter Baelish and Varys in, like, the first season. And mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily go anywhere, but they kind of explained and gave you insight into the characters and how they thought and what they thought of the world. And that really informed the viewer how all of this works like when you're setting up immersion in a show putting in those little character moments are really what sells it um it it felt like a lot of that was lost in the later seasons uh i felt like season five was just meaningless build-up uh season six was more meaningless build-up and it felt like in in season seven i think the reason why i enjoyed watching season seven was because it finally felt like things were happening you know, like, after after so long of waiting for these characters to see one another and waiting for something important to happen and waiting to see where this is going, like, the pieces started mm-hmm. falling into place. And I think I was finally happy just to see something happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it makes sense. Um, well, season five was where they first started uh, running out of book material. Um, I've actually, I'm not 100% sure on that. That might have, it might have been like halfway through the season. Uh, season five is where a lot of people seem to think they started going off the, uh, off the edge. A lot of people had a problem with the Dorn plot in that story. Um, Just like not mattering at this point. Right. Well, in yeah, in um, the books, in A Feast for Crows, we get this this long. Uh, we get a lot of new point of view characters from Dorne. Um, uh, in season five, we got like the Sand Snakes. Oh, um, the worst. Which honestly, that was one of the best parts of season seven too. Seeing all the Sand Snakes die. Yeah. That was yeah. that was great. Right. So, um, like, the, the plot of the Dorn plot in A Feast for Crows is pretty, like, dense and thick, and I don't need to, like, get into what it was all about, but um, essentially it was after Oberyn Martell had died, uh, they're getting justice for him and trying to get justice against the the Mountain and Tywin and all of that. Which, which, which can I say, their, their whole plan was, oh, we're going to avenge the death of uh, your brother by killing you. Right. Yeah. Like what? And you know, it, it felt like there was so much. 
I feel like in the show there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of little moments, right, where there's there's potential for things, and you get a glimpse into like there was that one guy, the guy that was guarding, uh, I think it was Oberon's brother, right, the Prince of Dorne, right, mm-hmm. uh, and it was yeah, this Prince dude, of Dorn. This, yeah, it was this big ass spear thing, right, and it yeah, was when they caught Ario Hota. Yeah, the guy would like when they caught uh, Braun and Jamie, and he was like, "If you still had your hand, this might have been an interesting fight." And you're like, oh, fuck, so this guy can wreck some shit. Like, man, it's, it's cool to see what kind of havoc this guy wreaks if push comes to shove. Nope, they just stab him in the back. And, A legendary uh, warrior in the Seven Kingdoms. Everybody was looking forward to maybe seeing Arya Hota fight. He uh, gets stabbed in the back by a 12-year-old girl. Um and he dies. Uh, but yeah, that that was. <laughs> there's so many. There's so many moments in that show. Where I was just like, oh, so this is how Sir Barrister dies. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, oh god. But you know what? There, there is. Um, and I, I say that is kind of like a double edge. That, all, that sword. was also season five, wasn't it? Where Sir Barrison dies. Yeah. Yeah, they're um, just they're, they're killing people left and right that really uh, should have gone out with like at least a little bit of a fight um yeah um yeah and it's it's kind of a double-edged sword with that too um and this kind of gets into my problems with series eight as well also so okay so i didn't like season eight yes uh is that is that fair to say (laughs) that's that's fair yeah i I have a friend (laughs) in japan right now and he just started watching the show He's like, oh yeah, I hear great things about it in the United States. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick it up. I'm gonna start watching it. What did you think about it? And I told him, the first four seasons were great. You can probably stop watching after that. Um, yeah, it's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, but one of the, one of the whole double-edged sword things about season eight is, uh, I think it it fundamentally goes against the nature that was established in the first couple seasons of the show. Because I think yeah. what made Game of Thrones so appealing was that, yes, it was fantasy, but it was also very anti-fantasy, right? Because when mm-hmm. you think about characters in fantasy dying, you think about um, Boromir's death, right? Lord of the Rings, where mm-hmm. it's this very grandiose, it's this heroic jester, and he's, you know, trying to save people, and he's getting hit with arrows left and right, and he, he dies this heroic, wonderful death, and he has this whole monologue at the end, um, and it's, it's all very heroic. And I think what was fascinating about Game of Thrones was that it established the opposite of that. Um, It established that in this world, there are no heroes. People that are noble and the people that are honest, they die like Ned Stark. They're just stabbed in the back because this isn't a place for people like that. Reality is going to happen and reality is going to kick you right in the dick. Uh, By the time we get to season eight of Game of Thrones... Every character that we've kind of come to like, you have this whole notion of, uh, you know, finality to their character. Like, they could die at any moment, and you get to season eight, and the entire setup for the earlier seasons is gone. Every character that dies, dies an awesome, brutal, heroic death, and uh, it, it feels like the show has become the very fantasy that set it apart in the first place. Right. What I think what made Game of Thrones interesting and the Song of Ice and Fire interesting in, in um, those early seasons 
was that it's a fantasy book, it, but like you said, it's anti-fantasy. It's not a place where they're going to cheat to save the good guys. And when you know we see yeah. what happens to Ned Stark at the end of season one, uh, it 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 immediately establishes what kind of world this is. Um, and for the four, first four seasons of the show, uh, it was very consistent in that. We would get these um, horrible surprises like the Red Wedding. Um, I and think maybe the last like shocking death, like legitimately shocking character death, was the death of uh, Oberyn Martell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that was the end of season four. Um, and, that was a, and that was another moment where, like, he didn't, he didn't go down swinging. He went down because of his own arrogance, and the mountain just crushed his skull. Like it was, it was sad and it was pathetic and it was uh, wholly unexpected. But right. now, by the time we get to season eight, I mean, it's especially I, I want to say the uh, the episode, the long night. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't couldn't see shit that whole episode. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, but that episode, where everything, everyone that died, it was none of the main characters. It was all the kind of the peripheral characters. But like, Ed died saving uh, Samuel Tarly. Uh, what's his name with the eye patch in the Lord of Light? Uh, he died saving uh, Arya Stark. Beric Dondarrion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he he died saving Arya uh, in like the most brave. Like he was getting shanked left and right. Like it was an episode of Daredevil. Um, it was it was a yeah brought, death. brought back by a... the Lord of Light like seven hundred times. Um, and what was his purpose ultimately? to uh, block a door full of zombies <laughs> um, so to, to let Arya Stark who is the one that needs to kill the Night King and not any of the prophesized uh, or any of the people that fit the uh, prophecy of Azor Ahai um, those people would be like John or maybe Daenerys um, there's an argument to be made for Jamie, but at no point uh, is anybody thinking oh you know how this ends it's with Arya uh, stabbing the King Knight, the the Night King, um, which doesn't exist in the books, by the way. So that's not even as uh, maybe he'll show up in Winds of Winter, and like we'll find out that the way to beat all of the the others, the White Walkers, is to kill their king, like a video game. Um, it's the old teleport behind him. It's the old Phantom Menace. Destroy the droid control ship. Yeah, it's a, they've borrowed that from Phantom Menace, which is the best Star Wars movie. So it's really where you want to draw um, well, you inspiration know, from. <laughs> well, you know, you know who's you know what that moment felt like in uh, the Long Night, where Arya just kind of flies in from the upper left corner of the screen. It plays almost beat for beat that moment in Infinity War where Thor throws Stormbreaker into Thanos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he I comes in sh- out of nowhere. Yeah, it's well, it's it's a surprising moment, and you're just like, oh shit! And it, it really it does get the crowd reaction. The crowd just like, oh yay! You know, get some cheering. Um, but it, but again, like it's it's moments like that kind of heroism that feel alienated in its own show, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I kind of understand that when you get to the point in this series where you have the dragons and the zombies and everything that it has become the very thing that it tried not to be, the very thing that, like, set it apart when you first started watching the show. Uh, right. It's, you know, it's the same thing as the kick-ass conundrum. The kick-ass conundrum was, can you have regular superheroes not fighting 
these giant threats. And you can, uh-huh. but the problem there is that, well, who is he going to fight? It has to be this giant threat. And so its entire existence becomes self-defeating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, well, Kick-Ass had the problem where yeah, it, it, it becomes the thing that it's uh, seeking to comment on. I wouldn't say parody, because yeah. Kick-Ass wasn't necessarily a parody, but it was a it was a commentary on the superhero movie. Um, trouble with Kick-Ass is you bring in Hit Girl and Big Daddy, which, according to uh, Mark Millar, uh, they were going to be like their own thing, um, and he just never figured out what to do with them. And then when he started writing Kick-Ass, he's like, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll use these characters in this. Um, and that's great. Like, Hit Girl's a great character. Everybody likes her. But... Um, she's like a real superhero. So she doesn't really fit into the world of uh, what's going to happen when Dave Lazuski tries to go and be a superhero. He's going to get beat up. Um, but anyway, that's that's a complete digression. However, I think, yeah, no, it makes sense because Game of Thrones essentially became what it was kind of trying to distinguish itself from. Um, in yeah. the early days is now it seems like very storybook. Uh, you have characters like Arya. I think the exact moment um, when the series, I wouldn't say lost me because I've, I've watched every episode since, um, but where it it took a big departure, where I realized, oh, this isn't like the books anymore, um, is an episode that's in season five uh, where Arya is doing her Fucking House going of the back Undying. going season five, man. Yeah. Well, Arya's doing her House of the Undying training, um, and she's, uh, this is like maybe the penultimate episode of that season where she gets stabbed by the waif. Um, the waif is like the girl that's, you know, uh, making her sweep the floors for, for an entire season of the show. Um, yeah, and then her death happens off screen. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um, she stabs Arya, and Arya falls into, like, the canals in Bravos. Um, and you're like, oh shit, they might have just killed Arya Stark. I don't see how she's going to get out of this, because if it was season one, they're not going to cheat to save the good guys. It's like if, if you know, your character gets either killed or mortally wounded or maimed, they're going to stay that way. Yeah, um, that's it. Like, it was trying to remove the whole idea of plot armor for characters. Um, right. And so and, I... Re- and, it, and, okay, go. Well, I was I, I I remember that entire week um, in between episodes, everybody speculating online, like, well, what's going to happen? Like, uh, they're like, Arya can't be dead. This isn't like where her story ends. But the fans were trying to, you know, concoct a way that she could have gotten out of it. Um, I remember there was a theory for a bit where they were like, oh, um, they do show like in the beginning and like the Mummers troupe. Um, that's doing the play within the play that season. Uh, they they show like a character with a bladder that's got like blood in it as a special effect, like a medieval special effect. And they're like maybe she had that, and so the waif just thinks that she got stabbed. And they were like there were a lot of fan theories swimming around that all sounded pretty plausible. But then when we get to the next episode, we just find out that oh yeah no she just got stabbed she fell into the canals then she got out and ran away. Um, and then, yeah. like, the actress lady tended to her wounds, and now she's fine. Um, and that's yeah. something that, like, 
that wouldn't have happened in 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 a song of ice, uh, a song of ice and fire. Um, that wouldn't have happened in the early seasons of Game of Thrones. Uh, but it, you know, it, it it became kind of style over substance. It was all about the spectacle, um, and I think that a lot of people, when they're defending the later seasons, they're like, um, well, yeah, the story's not all there, but like they look really good, and I'll give them that. Like, there's they've made some spectacular spectacle. Um, oh yeah, no, of Battle seasons. of Bastards fight was incredible. Yeah. Um, I I would say that the long night, um, for all of its silly uh, 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 battle tactics, um, looked really nice if you were watching it on the appropriate kind of television, which most people were not. Um, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't watch it that night. I watched it the following morning, mm-hmm. and holy shit, I I could not see a goddamn thing. I tried putting on my television. Uh, it didn't work. I closed all the blinds. Still couldn't see anything. I went yeah. to the bedroom. I literally put on my laptop and put the blanket over myself in the laptop so I could watch <laughs> it and just eliminate all the glare. Mm-hmm. And that's how I watched that episode. Yeah, I watched it on the TV in my room, and uh, the way it's set up, I have this like lofted bed, so there's like no external light hitting the TV. Um, and it looked great. It looked beautiful. I was like, "Wow, why is everybody complaining about this? This is this this looks awesome." Um, and yeah, everybody else. If you had any kind of glare on your screen, or if you have like uh, TV that, I can't have, that couldn't handle it, I kept it. having to rewind it, being like, "Wait, did this person just die?" Like, I swear to God, there were some characters in the show. I'm like, "Oh, Brienne's dead." Like, fucking Brienne and Jamie must have died like eight times in that episode. Yeah, there were th- multiple times did that happen. Like, and it was it was very odd. Um, cause yeah, I, I remember several times, uh, Brienne like being consumed by zombies, and I was like, oh, they just killed Brienne. Holy shit! And then she would just be fine later, and you're like, wait a minute, what? Ha- I uh, that well, was. And then it, it gets to the end of the episode, and you see like, well, you see like all the unsullied die, and then. By the end of the episode, it's like there's literally five people alive in Winterfell. It's all the main characters, and they're in the courtyard, and they're just, like, on a pile of dead White Walkers. Like, it's the opening of Starship Troopers 2. And you're like, (laughs) oh, shit, so I guess, like, only six or seven people are alive. Uh, And then we get to the following episodes, and it's like... Well, in that last episode, like, it showed Daenerys with an army of, like, a thousand Unsullied. And I was just like... Did they drop out of the fucking sky? Where did they come from? Yeah, there's a, there's a wonderful meme going around um, after every episode of, of this last season of Game of Thrones where people are releasing patch notes. Um, oh, yeah, the I've episodes. seen those. And they're like, Dothraki were put notes. back like, in the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, Dothraki respawn point set to Dragonstone. <laughs> but yeah, no, like, we we literally see every Dothraki. Like, they, it was done that way on purpose. Like... They, that everybody complains about like, well, why would you send um, your, your cavalry in first? Um, which is a, a fair point, but the reason they did it is because it looked super cool. Like with Melisandre and the she lights all their arrows on fire. Um, and as I was watching that, I was like, huh, I didn't know Melisandre could do that. I guess they didn't say that she couldn't. Um, the Lord of Light powers are always a bit vague but at that point um i've kind of like I, I i had long since stopped trying to like justify like this wouldn't happen in the books and then just you know go along for the ride enjoy enjoy um, the spectacle essentially yes and in those big battle episodes that's what you should do um 
but it, it, that, it was a very cool looking visual seeing them all like ride into the night and then their um, all the lights go out all the lights go out well, yeah, and there was a moment too where it's like you see uh ghost and jorah go out with them and then all those lights go out and you're just like oh fuck are they all dead now and then jorah just comes back because plot armor and then you see ghost like the next episode he's just standing there you're like where the fuck were you this whole episode <laughs> he's missing an ear and that's um, and that's and that's 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 like it's not the first time that's happened like i feel like they included the dire wolves in the show in the first season and then it subsequently did nothing with them well as soon as like they got too big and they had to start animating them um there there was like a season where you would get some animated dire wolves and they didn't look great like early on it was really bad cgi because like you could I, i've been watching a couple of the like the first episodes of uh game of thrones mm-hmm. um just kind of here and there sporadically to go like look at easter eggs and stuff but yeah that first season you could tell the budget was extraordinarily low like comparing it to this last season it's it's night and day but um once it got to the point where they had to start animating the dire wolves and it cost money then they just started writing them out of the plot so they could save it for dragons and stuff yeah um Um, because i remember like like i get it but well, it's like I remember the coolest thing that the direwolves ever did was in that first season when that assassin tried to kill Bran, uh, and his direwolf came and ripped its throat out and just laid on the bed next to him. Yeah. And you're like, summer. wow, that was fucking sick. Um, and then yeah. none of them were in the show after that. Well, a f- fucking summer um, gets eaten by whites, and and Bran doesn't give a shit. I guess. Well, at that point, you could be like, okay, well, it's 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 it, this isn't really Bran anymore. But I'm broken. Um, Get on the throne. Okay, I have I have notes. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> I have complaints. <laughs> um, uh, okay, why would anyway? Why would... Let's, let's just make the point about Summer and the Direwolf. Like he just like went out and nobody cared. Like that's what I thought was going to happen with Ghost. I was like, oh, they probably well, just they won't even mention mention him again. And I guess they don't have to. But yeah, um, well, like Shaggy Dog died off screen. Um, yeah, and his head was very small. Um, yeah, um, Rob's wolf died off screen. His uh, head was very large. We see both of those. Uh, the, the we see Rob in the books. They replace Rob's head with um, his his direwolf Greywind. Uh, they do that in the show too, but it's only like yeah, silhouette. Show, you see it from very far away. Yeah, it, I, w- I was going to say, like, it looks like the head of the direwolf is way too big compared to the body, and they didn't show it up close. Um, then you see Shaggy Dog's head, and I remember there was another fan theory online going like, okay, the Umbers are bluffing right now, because, like, that's not a fucking direwolf. Like, it would be a full-grown direwolf at this point. That's clearly just, like, the head of a dog. Um, but now it was... Uh, there's a there's There's this common theme where, like, the fans will come up with this theory that like really works and checks out and then the we'll get to the episode and it's like oh no it was just oh, no, the we simplest just solution possible yeah <laughs> yeah she Danny just kind of forgot about the Iron it's Blade. like the you ever watch Sherlock the BBC series with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch uh, I've seen a couple episodes yeah so in the uh, the second season the Reichenbeck fall like Sherlock fakes his own death and being that the time gap between the season releases for Sherlock is, is two years, people had two years to fan speculate how we survived it. And uh, mm-hmm. there was there was a lot of fan service. So by the time you get to season three, 
there's literally this montage of all the fan theories of how he did it. Like, it's it's this montage of, well, he could have done this, and he could have done this, and he could have done this, and he could have done this. And it goes through, like, 12 different scenarios of how he could have done it. Um, mm-hmm. And in the end, he was just like, not nah, wasn't any one of those. <laughs> and that was it. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's funny because you at least get to see all those possibilities. It would have mm-hmm. just been like, you know, in Game of Thrones, it's it's like the opposite of that, where you have all these theories, and they're just like, uh, uh no, 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 he, he, he just, he just, it was, it was something else. It was none yeah, of that, it and just, it was something else. It was, it was nothing. <laughs> we <laughs> nothing didn't think this far ahead. Um, yeah. But okay, yeah, so, there was so, a lot of that, but. And, you know, I, I, I will say some things like the long night, like, there were some cool moments in the episode that, granted, they didn't make a lot of sense. But I, I don't really blame because I don't know if it was the the direction of the show, if it was the director, if it was the way they was written. But there were mm-hmm. some moments in it where it felt like, oh, this is a huge battle, like this is really cool. And then there were moments that were like, oh, this is a zombie show. This feels like Dawn of the Dead or something. And then there were moments of uh, like that one scene where Arya was in the library and she was like sneaking around, and I'm like, okay, this has no place in this episode, but it's a cool little zombie horror movie moment. And it's neat that mm-hmm. it's in here. And like like going back to what you said earlier, it's it's all a bunch of little details that were like, oh, this is in here because it's cool, but it objectively doesn't make sense. Yeah, and that's the thing that like never used to happen in, in the early um, seasons. But yeah, like The Long Night, I mean, it is what it is. It was a cool looking episode. There's, there's some strange editing choices that they make. Like, like we pointed out like all of these characters that seem to die like three times um, yeah and i think that was probably the most disappointing aspect of that episode for me is uh they killed off okay some i i wouldn't say they killed off any main characters i like jorah is the only one that died where i was like oh that's too bad everybody else i was like yeah of course they they died at of this course moment. ed is dead yeah. like literally well, like ed showed yeah, back I... up on screen in the show and i was like who the fuck is that oh right yeah. Well, like, um, um, uh, Beric Dondarrion's like, yeah, of course he's gonna die in in this episode because like his whole thing is he's he's brought back by the Lord of Light and it's to fix the Long Night, um, so he would have to. Uh, but then yeah, everybody else they were like kind of like secondary tertiary characters. Um, I, w- I thought I, I was shocked that they didn't kill like somebody like Tormund or somebody that was like a like a fan favorite, but they could still kill them because it's like yeah, Tormund's not, not going to have any purpose in the story moving forward. Um, yeah, it makes the episode before it uh, the uh, I don't remember what the name of the episode is, but where, where they're all Night just of kind the of Seven. like oh, it's not yes, Night of the Seven Kingdoms. Um, it makes it seem so like pointless because it that episode feels like the calm before the storm it's like they're giving us uh they're they're letting us spend some time with these characters that we've gotten to know over the last couple years because we know that a lot of them aren't going to make it through the next battle yeah and i think that was probably my um, then all of them of did the season yeah right yeah it, it yeah yeah it, it should have felt like our characters last moment of reprieve before they all die a terrible agonizing death and the fact yeah. that essentially everyone lives, uh, and you know what's weird too? Like, 
I feel like in that episode, we had a lot of, like, moments of reconciliation between characters. Um, like, Brienne gets knighted, uh, Arya has her reunion with the Hound, like, a lot of things happen, like, Jamie Lannister apologizes to Bran, uh, a lot of things happen that make you think, okay, this is this character's, like, final moments, right? You know what character yeah. doesn't get that moment of reconciliation? Ed. Well, I was gonna say, Jorah. And he's, like, the most important character that died. Yeah, yeah. Well, he... Yeah, he had his moment, I guess, just when they were reunited. Um, but did that did that happen at the beginning of this season or the end of last season? I don't even remember. That happened at the end of last season. Because at the end of the last season, that's when they're all still in uh, Dragonstone. And by the time the season starts, they're all in Winterfell. Yeah, I was like... Also, what dumb motherfucker put them in the crypt? I was waiting for someone to call that out. <laughs> There's like, a wonderful I, video going around online um, that somebody like compiled like a lot of uh, interviews with the actors um, that would seem to suggest that they weren't too thrilled about how it all ends. Um, but yeah. one of them was uh, uh, Peter Dinklage. He's clearly on set, so he he had to have been. This must be for like a making of thing. But he's like, yeah. So Tyrion, um, he's, they're going down to the. They're they're trying to hide from the dead people, and he's going to go into the crypts with all of the dead people. And he's like, Tyrion's smart, but I guess he's not that smart. And I was just like, yeah, that's kind of funny. I was expecting. Well, here's what I was Tyrion's expecting. Tyrion's been from down that. by it inept this entire season. Like every call he's made has been the wrong one. Yeah, I would argue that he's been pretty useless since. Um, Meeting Danny. End of season four, yeah. Well, they... Um, he, it's interesting with Tyrion, because in the books, he ends up... He does go to Essos. Uh, Varys uh, sends him to uh, Illyria Mopatis' house. Illyria Mopatis is the guy that sold Danny to Khal Drogo. Um, and he's like the... He's Varys's co-schemer in all of this um very interesting thing happened with the character of lord Varys in the tv show because they omit a very crucial character and it screwed up a lot of things um george r, r. martin has a famous interview where he was talking about like well sometimes like when you take a character out because you think it's not all that important you're going to find later on it screws up the whole story and i'm assuming what he was referring to was uh there's a character in a dance of dragons um that i uh, yes yeah, spoilers fuck it if you haven't read the book then i'm sorry but there's no way to discuss this this show and and and, and dissect it if we're not talking about what went wrong um there's a character in the books uh, that is supposedly Aegon Targaryen, um, who we find in this iteration of the story is actually Jon, um, who Varys and Illyria Mopatis are, are, are boosting up, and they want him to sit the throne. Um, originally, their plan was uh, to get Viserys and Daenerys to get in with the call Drogo and the, the Dothraki, um, he knew that Viserys was like a psychopath, so he didn't want him to sit the throne. But he was going to send him into Westeros first, so they would like raid with the Dothraki. Um, everybody would hate them, and then Aegon could swoop in and save the day and be the noble Targaryen who now sits the throne. 
Um, they got rid of that character, but in the books, Tyrion is with this character. Like, I, I don't believe he ever gets to Daenerys by the end of A Dance of Dragons. Uh, I haven't read it since it came out, but um, anyway, like, they they gave him to Daenerys, and then ultimately he did kind of nothing. <laughs> like, he was, I, I, I remember, like, season six and seven, it was just kind of him making dick jokes uh, for two seasons. I guess he kind of, like, rules over Marine after Daenerys and Drogon fly off, but nothing really happens in Marine that, uh, you know, would have led us to need his service. Yeah, so it was really, it was it was him, Grey Worm, and Missandei um, cracking jokes, and, like, every time they would cut to them, it was just kind of like, why are we, why are we spending time here and not somewhere important? Um, <laughs> it's like we we lost sight of Bronn for like an entire uh, an entire season. Or, uh, not oh Bronn, no, we man. never ever like lost sight of Bronn. <laughs> we, um, we probably should have. Not to say, which is not to say that I don't love uh, God the actor that plays Bronn. Um, his they, they, well, there's a thing online right now. Everybody's like speculating that Germ didn't really like what they did with that character. Um, cause he has another quote where he's talking about like, they prop up characters based on their Q rating and everybody liked Braun, so they would bring him back. But like, he had no place in the story, um, anymore. Yeah. Like his, his job was done, but they kept bringing him back and it's like, okay, you have to go kill Tyrion and, um, Jamie now. And he's like, all right. So he walks with a giant crossbow into Winterfell, Winterfell. uh, and happens to walk into the room that Jamie and Tyrion are talking in nobody stops him nobody's like hey why do you got that big uh uh uh, crossbow sir um bear in mind this is the guy that was the first person to shoot a dragon with that scorpion Um, okay he shot drogon and daenerys yeah we'll 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 get to that too because oh all right you know I, i know i made my speech earlier about like oh characters having plot armor right but at the same time, you can't just murder something because it works for you as a writer. Like, mm-hmm. that episode where they killed, uh, what was the dragon's name? Rhaegar, the one that died? Rhaegal. Rhaegal? Yeah. yeah. That made no sense. Um, because I, th- I think it was fairly established that Bronn is a very good shot with things, right? Mm-hmm. Um like, he, he set the fire at the Battle of the Blackwater. Like, he's used the longbow, things like that. And he's he's the one to use the scorpion. And it looks like aiming that fucking thing was really hard, right? And it was a yeah. big deal that he actually hit Drogon with it. And he hit Drogon with it. And that thing nothing. went, like, three or four inches in it. And that was it. Like, it didn't... It, it barely phased him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get to episode four. And all these, all these people on the Iron Fleet... Okay, so, well, for one, they're flying, and Daenerys doesn't see this these ships. Like she's well, flying. She just kind of forgot about the fleet. <laughs> she's she's <laughs> flying. The they said in the how do you how do you not she sees see miles, this? Miles and miles. No, here's the thing. Like, it, it, it there is um a way that that could have worked. Um, Dragonstone, the place that she was flying to, there's like um a a, a narrow sort of neck like an inlet or something that i remember somebody explaining like why that moment didn't have to not make sense but it 
well, did I mean, in, in it, this context. There it, should it have could've... been an angle that she wouldn't have seen. But yeah. if that was the case, like, they, they didn't establish that at all. But they just, yeah, they hit him. And here's my problem with it. Like, I don't mind that, like, they had to give Cersei a thing that could plausibly kill a dragon. But then you have to be consistent with it. Um, yeah. Because, hit... and one of the things, too, um, is that, you know, they hit Drogon with it and it does nothing. But then the way that that scene is filmed, it's filmed for not necessarily the logical reasons, but for the shock value of the audience. You know, yeah. because all you see is the bolt hit him, right? And you're like, oh, shit. Um, but then you think about it, and you're like, okay, but but this doesn't make any sense. Like, if it was done less as, like, a, a shock, and, like, she saw the boats, and then she dive-bombed the boats, and she was, like, gonna go destroy the boats, and then they, like, have a blanket over the scorpions, and they, like, take the blanket off or something, and should they reveal that all these boats have the scorpions, and then they fire them at point-blank range, that... Mm-hmm would have made more sense but you still wouldn't have had that boom there's an arrow the dragon's dead now yeah yeah um, and then you know I... by the by the episode following like all the, the people have stormtrooper aim they didn't get a single one off did they in no, that following no, episode they had like, they didn't fire a single one they had hundreds and then the... of ships hundreds um, of ships of and then they were scorpions. all on the walls of king's landing right so this is like, where it's just like the dramatic I'm... inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Like, I I don't want to um, come across too hard on, on, on the writers because they were tasked with a job that they didn't sign up for. Like, they, it, they did not sign up to finish A Song of Ice and Fire. They signed up to adapt um, those books. And, like, if, you know, Germ got them out in time... It would have been one thing. But the trouble is... These, like, contrivances towards the end of it are are so many and and just so strange that it's It's like... It's like the death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, I don't... Because, like, when you show the dragon being shot out of the sky by these things, you can't immediately in the next scene show the dragon within range of these things and then have Cersei do nothing. Like, what would... Why? Why? Why would she do that? Like, Drogon was right there. Um, they had all of the scorpions aimed at her, and she was just like, no, nah, I'm just gonna kill Miss Sandy and then and then leave and let you regroup? But, but why? Um, just don't have that scene. Like, you don't have to have a scene where they treat together, or just have it so, like, Daenerys isn't, you know, completely idiotic, and she's just like, well, I'll send Tyrion, and he could go meet and give the terms, but if I bring the dragon to this thing, they're gonna shoot it, and then we're gonna be screwed. Um, but for some reason, they just decide to do both, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, it, it seems like a very sort of uh just just a thing that would would get drafted out of the first draft like you'd be like oh well, yeah uh, i see that we wrote her to have drogon there let's uh take this page out and rework it um, well i feel like there's a lot of things too that are done because they now have the budget to do it because mm-hmm. if you had sent Tyrion as like an emissary and they had a conversation in a room that would be one thing but to have yeah. that conversation outside the gates of king's landing where, you know, like, her whole army is there and the dragon's pacing back and forth. And, you know, this very dramatic thing where they, you know, 
push, uh, or they kill Missandei, and, like, she falls off this giant wall, like, it's, it's more of a visual treat to watch it, mm-hmm. even if that's not the most sensible thing to do. Yeah. Like, again, it's, it's something that's sacrificed for the pure spectacle of it, and it's, uh... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that might have been the reason, but I would argue that, like, I, I would argue that in that moment, yeah, sacrifice a bit of the spectacle because, like, that everybody was complaining about that almost immediately. Um, I feel like every episode, like, that's come out so far, there's been something wrong with it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think the first two episodes were fairly well received. Um, and it's it's funny yeah, going because back nothing and happens. Like, like, like yeah, yeah it, no. Well, it's funny going back like, and like looking what people are saying like when those first episodes came out where they're just like it sets up a great season uh mm-hmm. and then after episode three where you couldn't really tell what the fuck was happening and episode four where the dragon just dies for some reason and then you get to episode five where Dar- or uh daenerys just pulls a straight anakin skywalker yeah the, and that's what it felt like and like oh, that's so unfortunate um because the thing is like i've always i've like I'm not one of the people that thinks that Daenerys has always been evil. There's a contingent of the fandom online that's like, oh, well, clearly, like, she's the villain of the story, and here's why. It's like, no, she's she is genuinely, a, like, a good person for the most part. She just has uh, one very fatal flaw, and that's... Um, she's not simply doing all of this to liberate people, free slaves and and take out despots she very much does want to be queen um and if that is taken from her which it's george r R. martin so obviously it's going to be taken from her she has the potential to become a villain i think that when you look at like the stories that george r R. martin tends to tell um he has tropes that are common he's vehemently anti-war um he he's a bit of a a hippie um he likes to subvert expectations that's become like such a meme term that you could almost not even say it anymore because of last jedi and then like stuff like this everybody's uh, looking at no but i know what you're saying like going back to the first season with erod stark and like things like that where he's the main character you're experiencing the show through his lens and they murder him because that's what would logically happen in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, exactly. He likes he he likes his twists. Um, I think that Daenerys uh, will be. She'll have a, a descent into madness. I think she will end up becoming a villain. But it's not like Abrupt. obviously it's not going to happen like this. Like, and that's another yeah, problem it, it with taking Aegon out of the story. It's just like. Well, now we don't have anybody like that would have been if, you know, she had to fight against another Targaryen um, and she knew that he was fake because now I would assume that, you know, Jon Snow is still the actual Aegon Targaryen in in the books as well. Um, it, it, It makes more sense to me because, like, I don't understand why the people would back Cersei. Um, ever she blew up the sept like that's it's basically like if you blew up the Vatican and then expected Rome to still celebrate you as their leader they'd be like no you, you get the fuck out um uh, 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 so like having Egan and him like 
being a pretender and only she knows that he's he's not really who he says he is like there would be more personal stakes there um with cersei they had to contrive this whole thing like oh she's using the people as a meat shield um and then daenerys is like first of all i I have so many problems with this as as a plot contrivance because a it's war um Never in in Game of Thrones have any of like the noble people stopped and been like, well, let's think of well, the, the small folk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the fact that it's like Tyrion, I could see Varys saying it because they've made show Varys into just like a perfectly noble person. Book Varys is uh, a lot different, but they can't do that because this whole thing is propping up Egan. Um, I could speak for hours on, on, on what I think is really going on with, with those characters, but you know, that actor, like he wasn't happy with the way that the show has been going. Like he's been pretty vocal about that too. Mm -hmm. Um, just in terms of like Conleth, um, Conleth Hill. Great, great portrayal of that character, um, for what the show's using him as. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Very entertaining actor. He's always been very good. Mm -hmm. But he was saying that, uh, He's essentially been reduced to more of, like, a, a background character. Uh, and that his actions really aren't existent in the later seasons of the show. And one thing that he especially expressed remorse at is that he didn't have the opportunity to react to Peter Baelish's death. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that was one of the things where he's like, I viewed the two of them as rivals. And I think within the first couple seasons of the show, they're well, they set were. up to be yeah. rivals. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, and it was weird that the two of them never had a confrontation that, you know, had an outcome. But yeah, well, yeah, uh, yeah, no, was... I, I definitely. Well, I I agree too. I think that Danny was gonna do, she was probably not gonna end up on the Iron Throne, but at the same time, that was probably something that was gonna be set up and like hinted at, foreshadowed for a long time, uh, that would make her you know, just systematically going up and down the rows of King's Landing and burning everyone alive, it would have yeah. made that make sense. Like, it, it would have made that make sense. It's it's not like when I was watching the show and just cringing, being like, she has crazy eyes right now, she's just going to kill all the civilians here. And the people I was watching it were like, no, 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 Danny wouldn't do that, that's that's not her. And then when Danny started going up and down, like, burning all those people alive, and they're like, no, 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 she's... She's killing the Lannister soldiers, like, she's killing the people that's following Cersei. And there's a couple real explicit shots where she kills just straight-up women and children. And they're just like, oh, oh yeah, this this doesn't make any sense. Yeah, um... And even, like, the blocking of that seemed so odd. Like, having her snap after, like, the bells are ringing, um... I, yeah, I don't and know like the what they were really surrender. going for. Like, it was it supposed to be like we were on the edge of our seats wondering, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? Then she does it. Because, like, that's not the way it, it happens. She almost looks confused. Like, she's like, I don't know what happened. Oh, yeah, it was, it was odd. And um, I think that if, yeah, like, if they did this as a fully fleshed out 10 episode season i think like first of all give it two seasons um like if you're going to have benny often weiss they've got to get to star wars and that's uh, you know like i don't wanna i i don't know what their reasons for doing anything are i can't i can't speak to that i don't want to um 
um, um, potentially slander people or whatever, but like that's what the internet's saying. So that's not my opinion, people. We know what the <laughs> internet is saying. Don't, I can't get in trouble for that. Um, everybody's saying that, not me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, if that's the case, like, hand it off to somebody else. Like, I, there, there are plenty of people that would, I'm sure, be thrilled Gladly, to help yeah. Game of Thrones. I'm sure that, like, people on the writing staff would have been fine to do that. Like, um, what is the guy that directed uh, Battle of the Bastards? Uh, David Nutter, I believe his name is? Yeah, he also directed uh, The Long Night and one of the other episodes. I think yeah. the Battle of King's Landing episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure he would Very have. talented. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he would have done it. Um and well, and the other thing is like I'm sure the actors at this point uh whenever you have a, you're doing a TV show like this for this many years, like casting conflicts happen because actors have schedules and they want to go and do other stuff. But I don't know. I feel like if we got an extra season out of it um where we could have like spend if you really want to subvert people's expectations, spend one season on uh, the the Night King and the White Walkers, um, and then the second season on the ramifications of everything that happened there, and then also, you know, what happened in King's Landing. Because I think that uh, it's funny. Um, everybody was saying, like, well, they killed the Night King too early. What are you, you going to do? Um, now, now the final boss is going to be Cersei, and I was thinking like the, I was like, okay, yeah, maybe they'll do that. I was, I, I've always suspected that we would get Mad Queen Danny in in the books. I did not think we were going to get it on the show simply because like, this puts you in this weird space where um, your your two central antagonists are now both like strong females, <laughs> and that like in the current like political climate and yeah it becomes this whole thing of well what are you trying to say exactly exactly so i would think that hbo would be terrified to do that um but god bless them they went for it uh but if we had like that extra season to see daenerys here's the other problem with all of this is like the love story between John and Danny is kind of central to all of that in like having John have that agonizing moment where he still loves her but he has to kill her and he knows it would have played a lot better if we had time to actually watch them um, you know fall in love uh, everybody online is comparing this uh, to you know like John and Danny to John and Egret and one of the common things that I see people are like well yeah he had great chemistry with Egret but like um, Kit Harrington and uh, I, I can't remember the actress who played Egret's name. They're married in real life now. Like, uh, uh, so like you can't recreate that. And here's the thing: it's like that's not necessarily true. Um, I'm, they did have wonderful chemistry, and it, it did shine through. But that's just icing on the cake. Like the reason that John and Egret worked where John and Danny didn't was because we had time to explore that relationship and see it fully fleshed out in a lovely arc. Um, we saw the beginning where they start off as enemies, they get to know each other, then they become uh, lovers, uh, then they become enemies again, and he has to kill her. Um, well, Ollie kills her, but yeah, fuck Ollie. Um, we don't get yeah, any no, of that from John and Danny. With John and Danny, we get like, and it's it's simply because we only had six episodes. Like they, I, they, they, they 
they the boat sex happens in like the season finale in season seven, right? Yes. So the entirety of their relationship was essentially, um, okay, she saved them uh, from the Night King. Then they had sex on a boat. And then it opens up, and now it's just like, hey, they're in love. Go with it. Uh, which is like, it's, it, if this no, wait, was it, a... It, it couldn't have been the finale of Seven, because... They still brought the White Rocker back to King's Landing. Oh, yeah. Right? I want to say it was maybe like one or two episodes from the end there. Yeah. Well, whenever it was, we didn't really get a chance. Well, we did see them like they go into that cave and see a old Children of the Forest drawing or something. That was another thing that happens. Yeah, the fucking spiral. They see that in the cave. Um and it's like the symbol that it's like the white walker symbol and the symbol that we see all the bodies arranged in, in, in the first episode. Um, then the symbol that like when they kill the umber boy, um, and he bursts into flames and it all lights up, it's all the same symbol. And it's also similar to the Targaryen house sigil. Um, yeah, that was something where when that happened in uh, <laughs> season seven, just... I was like, is that the Targaryen symbol? And everyone's like, no, 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 that was the, that was that was not the Targaryen symbol. I'm like, well, then what was it? And they're like, uh... Yeah, it follows the same motif as the Targaryen symbol, though. And there's, it's long been speculated that, like, that that those two things have to do with each other. But, like, it just, it was nothing. They didn't do anything. It just ended. (laughs) And then the White Walkers were gone. Um, None of those questions got answered, Michael. Um, how, How strange that was. But to get back to the John and Danny story, like we never get to see them be in love. We're just told that they're in love. Um, yeah. It's like the, the star Wars prequel kind of conundrum. It felt so similar to Anakin and Padme. There are a lot of eerie star Wars parallels, um, this season, uh, from the prequels. (laughs) Like there's that, the, the battle droids are broken. Um, there's, uh, Danny's uh, descent into madness happening just way too quickly and and for difficult to justify reasons. Um, dang, how yeah, sad. The, yeah, the entire thing kind of ends like a. Uh, uh, I don't know. None of it feels like it's properly set up to pay off. Mm-hmm. Even. Even the whole thing with Bran ending up on the Iron Throne, that was a scene where I didn't know what direction they were going to go in. And they're like, we need a great story. And I looked at all the characters I could recognize on there and being like, everyone has a pretty good story here. I'm sure Bran's story story was great. We just didn't get to see it because they cut him out of season five. Yeah, well, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, so Gendry has a legitimate claim to the throne because he's a Baratheon. It's like, oh, you know, he was a he was a bastard in King's Landing and raised in the streets and, you know, found out he was this nobility and helped defeat the White Walkers. Like that's a that's a good story. You know, you have you have Arya who was you know, went and did her whole faceless man training thing and then subsequently didn't use any of that in this past season. Uh that's a pretty good story. Like even Sir Davos is a pretty compa- compelling story and it's like brand. And I was like <laughs> His what? Is the best of all. Um, yeah. 
Um, so, <sighs> I'm very conflicted on this because uh, consistently throughout this series, not throughout the whole series, but from when Bran becomes Three-Eyed Raven, I've been saying, where the fuck is Bran during all of this? Um, why, why didn't he tell them? Like, he, he, uh, His superpowers include being completely omniscient and seeing being able to see anything at any point in anywhere in the world. Like in the books, we think we don't know yet because they haven't gotten that far, but we think that he could kind of only see where the, what the weirwoods see, or at least like in the stuff that's in the general vicinity of a weirwood. In the show, they take him to the Tower of Joy. There's no fucking weirwoods in Dorne. Like um, he could just go anywhere he wants and interact with it sometimes. Um, you would think that he's a very strategically valuable person to have in your army. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and you had uh, Lars von Trier earlier be like, you'll never walk again, but you will fly. And I thought mm -hmm. that that meant he was going to warg into one of the dragons. Yeah. But I guess yeah, what he, he was he referring to... A, a raven? A literal, yeah, where he warged into the ravens and then flew off during the Battle of Winterfell. Let me see if I still have it on my iPad. There's something that I wanted uh, to... No, I guess I don't, I don't really need it. Um, let's go off memory. Um, uh, Isaac Hempstead Wright, the actor that plays Bran, did an interview with Verge, and they're asking him about, like, the Three-Eyed Raven and what that all means. And what he says is, I guess maybe it justifies some of the things that happens in the show, but, like, it's so counter to what you would think that character was. He was like, well, it's the role of the Three-Eyed Raven simply to observe. Um, and, well, they do say that in, like, one of the episodes is, like, a throwaway line. Because um, they're like, well, why didn't he do anything, like, with the Night King? And he's like, well, he was just going to... He he just had to be there to watch. So he was like, wheel me out to wherever you think the Night King will go. He's going to come for me. But if his whole shtick is just to observe, then, like, why... Why is he king? What? Well, y y sure, but, like, the people don't necessarily know that. But, like, why would he agree to be king? Um, yeah, but, like, like, that was one thing, too, where he, he told John, it's like, you're the rightful heir. Lol, nol, JK, throne's mine. Yeah, I well, I've always kind of hypothesized that the reason that we don't see very much of Bran in the show is because, like, uh, uh, Benioff and Weiss don't really, either they don't like the character... Um, and, or they and don't all of like, do with the character, or they don't understand the character. And listening to Tyrion's uh, speech at the end, kind of, kind of gives credence to my theory that they don't really understand him. Because like, what he's saying to the nobleman is like, oh, um, who should who should rule but the one that has the best story? And he starts like describing. He's like a little boy that fell from a tower, and so he thought he would never walk again, but he learned to fly. A crippled boy goes beyond the wall, and they're like really hammering home like the disability aspect of it, as if like Bran's story was like one of 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 overcoming adversity. Um, which, sure, I guess you could frame it that way, but that's not what's relevant. That's not why he should be king. The reason he should be king is because he's a supernatural god entity um, that, if you hook him up to a weirwood tree, he'll never die. 
Um, and uh, he could see anything and like who's going to want to invade a country if they have a literal god king. Um, none of that happens to find its way into the speech. He's just like, isn't he super inspirational? And I'm like, eh, eh, I don't care about that. Like, I, I, I guess, but um, why would oh, any of I- like the noblemen give a shit? It's like they make him sound like a special Olympian. Um, can, can I talk about the one moment in the show that made me laugh? Um, yes. It was, a, it was a hardcore, cringy eye roll where they were like, oh, you know, the Grand Maesters compiled our legends into this tale. We're calling it a song of ice and fire. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and I think I literally groaned. Like, I just went, ugh. Yeah, I had a feeling that was going to be coming. I, th- um, I don't remember if they've name drop the name like it's what's funny about that though is like the reason it's called the song of ice and fire uh, apart from the fact that he's basing it on a, like a poem called something like that like a song um the children of the forest call all of their their stories songs they don't have like written words or whatever um but it's, it's a children of the forest thing but like I don't know why, like, Sam would decide like hey let's follow the children of the forest's uh naming scheme to because write this history. Because it's an Easter egg. Do you get it? It's going to be on one of those YouTube videos where it's like, top ten things you didn't know you about didn't Game notice of Thrones. Yeah. Did you a know that it's from a series fire. of... Fire. Oh, yeah. God, that video probably exists right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was an eye roll moment, but whatever. I'm fine with those kind of things. Well, yeah, was, but... I was, well, see, I was, just, I was just thinking about that moment and why I hated it so much. Is like I was thinking about, oh, well, what if this happened in other franchises? What if in Lord of the Rings, at the end of the series, Gandalf is like, I've, I've you know, made our tales into this grand adventure, and I'm calling it the Lord of the Rings. And they're like, okay, but, but why? <laughs> but Why? And, and then, like, you, I don't know, like, he just, like, winks at the camera? Like, I can't imagine anyone playing the scene over in their head and being like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a very, you know, um, tonally, that last episode did feel very odd, because, like... It kept fading I, to black every five minutes? Yeah, but I, there's nothing that they could have really done about that because it's got to start on like a down note and try to end it on like a, a semi-sweet note. Um, what's odd is like hearing um, Peter Dinklage refer to like Tyrion's end as being bittersweet. He said this a long time ago. Um, I thought it was like positively saccharine for everyone but Danny. Like... <laughs> Everybody got exactly what they kind of wanted. Um, like uh, uh, Sansa's Brienne queen of the north. became the king's guard. Yeah, Brienne's in the king's guard. Um, Bronn is uh, a high lord, master of coin. Yeah, well, but and why? Like what he the, a couple seasons ago he he explained that he didn't know how loans worked, um, and now he's master of coin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It also, was a really happy question, ending. Like, do you, do you remember when they were like, oh, the Unsullied won't have, uh, you know, John going free, so they, they, they're fine with a life sentence, and John goes back to the Night Watch? The Unsullied left. They're gone. <laughs> this is 
Jesus. Like, can you imagine when, when they're just I, like, I've been... we sail for North. And then they're just like, all right, John, uh, lol, JK, go back to Winterfell. You're fine. I've been thinking, like, I can't get the, get that part of it out of my head. Because, like, as soon as, like, they, they come back and, like, Grey Worm's taking him out, I'm like, why is Grey Worm in charge? Um, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, uh, he says something to, whatever he says to Bran, he's like, you can't do anything on the king. I'm like, why do we, wait. Why are we trying to placate Grey Worm? Who gives a fuck about what Grey Worm thinks? Why are like and Davos is like, oh, there's a there's there's a lot of good land in the Reach. Why don't you all make a house? And I'm like, what the fuck? These are okay, okay. These are infantrymen. Um, not only that, but they're like foreign eunuchs illegally occupying uh, your nation's capital. And, and at the same time, based on what the night showed them? us, there's probably like 15 of them left. Yeah, well, yeah, Sansa's like, uh, well, if you look outside of the walls of your city, you'll see thousands of Northmen. He's like, well, there's thousands of Unsullied. And, uh, but so I guess there's still thousands of Unsullied. She bought like a thousand Unsullied at at the beginning. Like, there's no <laughs> way that, I don't know, man. Um, yeah. Oh, Jesus. another, another but, fucking what, funny moment can I point out. Wait, mm-hmm. so, all right. I thought at the end of uh, episode five, when Jamie and Cersei were getting anticlimactically buried alive in rubble, right? I was like, oh, they're dead. No one's going to find them. You know, like that entire area is collapsed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, and then Tyrion goes downstairs, and there's parts of it where it's like, <laughs> fine. Like, there's little, like, there's not rubble everywhere. There's like yeah, rubble here and there. <laughs> People, people like, have been freaking yeah, out about uh, that on the internet. I was watching like, the episode. If they moved 10 like, feet in any direction, they'd still be alive. <laughs> <laughs> they stood in the one place where Ruffle was falling. <laughs> oh, God. Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's like, I understand. Like, look, it was a nice scene. I actually, like, I, I, I did, like, watching that. I was like, oh, that, it was, like, creepy. I got chills when, like... He uncovers their face, and it's just like, oh, they're just corpses now. These are these people that we spent eight years with. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> the, it's really hard to um, <laughs> keep up the suspension of disbelief when, like, they're just in a giant room in a small pile of rocks. It's like, you, you, didn't, felt think like, to, like, you didn't think like, to, like, just move. What the it fuck? felt like a, like, a, like a high school stage production. <laughs> Where it's like it there was a there was a cave in and the whole thing collapsed and then here's a few bricks, here's yeah. a few foam bricks. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of this season has has felt like theater in that there's a lot of theater contrivances. Like the thing that I brought up earlier with with Bronn just waltzing into Winterfell, like as immediately after they're done having a scene, it's just like, oh, I'm the character Bron who needs to walk left. on stage now. Yeah, it's yeah. that's what it felt like. Um, like teleportation aside, like uh, people complain, like okay, it takes a long time to get around in King's Landing. And I I could overlook that as long as they were consistent with it. Um, like, why isn't Gilly's baby like fourteen at this point? Like, I, we were introduced to Gilly's baby in season one, um, so eight years have passed in real time, but he's still like a like a baby. Um, everybody, at, like all point. of the other children are grown. Like what, what the hell is wrong with this baby? 
Um, yeah, there, was, there was another thing. Didn't Arya go from like age 11 to like age 17 or something now? Yeah, a lot of well, a lot of people were were upset about the the Arya Gendry uh, sex scene because they're like, isn't she canonically underage? And it's like, eh, I don't know. Well, I, we don't know you know, how you know time works thing? in Game of Thrones. It's they've you know never been terribly consistent with it. About the show, where it's like, I wish the show maybe had like twenty percent less incest, right? <laughs> where it, it like it it made sense for the Lannisters because they're like, oh, they're morally bankrupt people. So this yeah. is just another sick aspect of their relationship. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, cool. That makes sense. And then you have that moment between uh, Yara and uh, Theon when he first gets to the Iron Islands. And it's like, oh, this is his sister. And you're just like, okay. Uh, well, yeah, but she's like, right. she's tricking him, though. Like, <laughs> right. she was messing right. and I, I think that's And just I like... understand that. I understand that to a point. They didn't but keep now going you get for to, it. Yeah, but now, but now you get to, like, season seven and eight. After they find out they're, like, aunt and nephew, and then Danny's still like, fuck me, John. And he's like, well, no, I can't. <laughs> it's gross. And it's just like, it's gross now. It's just, yeah. it's just one of those things, like, 20% less, in, less incest in the show would have made me a lot happier. Yeah, um, yeah, well, like, here's the thing with Daenerys, though. She, like, grew up thinking that she was going to marry Viserys, um, and kind of being like, wait, you're marrying me off to this other guy when, like, that didn't happen? Because Targaryen incest is also a big thing. Like, uh, Aegon the Conqueror married both of his sisters, um, and then also another lady. But I think I could be wrong on that someone could feel free to correct me online at some point but um someone will it's the internet yeah uh but yeah yeah targaryen incest is is a thing um so she would have well and also uh 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 in like the olden days in like uh, the middle ages like Cousin, cousin incest wouldn't have been considered incest. That would, like, people married cousins all the time. Um, and then also aunt, nephew uh, wouldn't have been seen as, like, all that preposterous. In fact, there's another character. Um, we see her uh, in in this season, Alice Karstark, when uh, Daenerys is trying to, like, give away, or not Daenerys, uh, Sansa's trying to give away the Umber and the Karstark castles because, like, their families betrayed them. And they're like, we should just execute them. And then Jon's like, we're not giving away their ancestral home. And he's like, okay, fine. Like, Allison, whatever the Umber's name was, come over here. And, like, it turns out that they're kids and she was about to kill kids. Um, that character in the books is supposed to be wed to her uncle and she's very upset about it. So she goes to Jon and, uh, or not Jon, um, whoever's in Rob- charge of the North at the time. It might have even been Bran, like, when he's Lord of Winterfell and tries to get out of it, and then they marry her off to somebody else. But, um, yeah, so, like, that kind of pairing wouldn't have been unheard of, but it would have still been, like, as we saw, we saw John like, no, that's messed up. I don't want it. So, it's, uh, it's over now, and we're getting five prequel series to Game of Thrones, uh, I, 
understand the people that are frustrated with this whole let's just remake the eighth season you need to acknowledge that that's not gonna happen um i I would highly suggest to these people to maybe just start a different show get get invested in something else uh yeah i I started the expanse on amazon and it's really good uh man in the high castle also very good um do some do you watch something else <laughs> there's other things there's other things out there don't worry about it yeah watchman's um, coming heard, out i'm excited for that i've heard that like um they're like support groups for people that are upset not just that it was uh, not the ending that they hoped for but be it that it was ending in general and <clears> um <throat> i think that's profoundly silly i think that we've gotten very weak as a culture if we need support groups because like a tv show is is over and a tv show that we knew was it's not even like it was like seinfeld or something where like it could go on forever if they wanted it to it's like no this this had a finite being an end we knew that this would be over at some point do you hear about that lady in china that uh cried so hard during avengers endgame that she had to be hospitalized because she had hyperventilated to the point where she had no control of her limbs oh no i didn't hear about that yeah that's this is where we are as a species yeah Surprised that they showed Avengers Endgame in China. There's a lot of magic in that movie. Isn't there like... Don't they have like a lot of strange laws about... Oh yeah, ghosts. So you can't show ghosts. Yeah. Well, ghosts are spooky. So I don't blame them. But also Detective Pikachu came out. And I've Mm -hmm. got one one point to share about this movie. Um, And I, I hate myself for wanting this. But mm-hmm. you know what I would legit like to see? What's that? I'd like to see a prequel to this movie. A prequel? Yeah. Interesting. And here's why. Here's why. Um, yeah, we did a whole episode story... on... De- uh, we did a whole episode on Detective Pikachu, but nothing about this. Like, well, I, I haven't even released it yet. Um, so, but make so, your point. So, here, so, well, so, so here's, here's why. I enjoyed Detective Pikachu. I enjoyed it a lot. Um you could hear about uh, it in our review. Um, everyone, go download that again if you haven't. When it's released. Um, well, this will come out after that, but yeah, but 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 okay. So, one question: How did Ryan Reynolds capture Mewtwo? But on on the opposite point, like I'm just thinking of like the narrative arc that it would take, because I can I can picture it in my brain, mm-hmm. where it's like. Ryan Reynolds is the washed-up detective who's been estranged for his son and kind of lost everything and buried himself in his work, where it's like, oh, he's hired by this CD corporation to track down this Pokemon, and he goes on this Indiana Jones-esque adventure going from point to point, like, tracking down Mewtwo. Then he mm-hmm. finds it, captures it, realizes that that corporation is evil, and then has to plan this whole elaborate, like, heist to, uh, to get him to escape right mm-hmm. and uh, i just i just picture ryan reynolds talking to his pikachu going like we can't let them do that to this pokemon like we need to <laughs> we need to stop them we need to save him and then planning this whole thing where like he goes in through the front door and like distracts the security guard while pikachu goes through the vents and like starts shorting out electrical systems and there's this whole big thing where they escape and they're running away from the the greninjas in the end and i'm like i can picture this as a movie in my brain and i want to see it yeah <laughs> Yeah, that would be interesting now that you now that you mention it. Um, yeah, 
Also, yeah. like, it was kind of criminal how underutilized Ken Watanabe was in that film. Yeah, but, I just... Yeah, no, give, I, give me more of, a, like, a, a police work Detective Pikachu kind of movie. It gave me such a nice feeling, though, just seeing Ken Watanabe in a, in a real-ass movie um, patting a snubble on the head. I'm like, this is where we are in, in, in cinema, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I rewatched uh, The Last Samurai fairly recently, and uh, Ken Watanabe's performance in that is still very, very uh, moving, very emotional. Uh, he's just he's just a really good actor. Um, but seeing him, like, this is my snubble. I'm just like, what? Like, <laughs> I love it. I dig it. But I'm like, this is a movie. This is a movie, yeah, and I'm bearing witness movie. to this as a movie. <laughs> I think if, if I had a... Oh, hello, pup. Yes, that's a, that's a microphone. Um, if I had a singular complaint about uh, Detective Pikachu... It's that I feel like I saw maybe 12 different character models for P- for Pokemon, and then I yeah. just kept seeing those 12 over and over. Yeah, we, we mentioned that in the episode. It's, uh, there's there's Sneasels all day. Um, Sneasels all day. Greninjas everywhere. Like, it was, yeah. it was like we, we saw in that, that one Pokemon testing facility that there were, like, Greninjas and there were Torteras. And that was cool. But I would have liked to have seen them like running through that facility like for their lives and have to like dodge like scythers, like the Greninjas, like other different kinds of deadly Pokemon that you wouldn't want to see in real life. Yeah. Like pincers, things like that, like things that you would have seen and like be horrified to see in a dark alley or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I. Uh... Yeah, that was that was one of my chief complaints. Was like, um, it, it did feel like there could have been more Pokemans in it, um, uh, and uh, yeah, another thing we brought up, it would have been like, because I understand like the the plot necessity of having them all out of their Pokeball, but it would have been cool if like, I would have liked to see, we we get one Pokemon battle, but I, I like I would have liked to see like more Pokemon game stuff. Like we yes, see one, that, that we see a, one Pokeball. That, um, well, like that was another thing scene. too. Like I was, I was thinking where it was like, we never like it's it's set up that uh, Jessa Smith wanted to be a Pokemon trainer when he was growing up. But other than that one scene where they're in the illegal underground Pokemon battles, right? Uh, he never had that moment where he was like actually coaching his Pikachu, being like, "Use this counter, use this move," like things like that. Yeah. Um, Fun, fun little tidbit, though. Uh, fun little tidbit. In that scene very early on when they're talking about Rhyme City, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a very brief moment where it's a Pokemon trainer walking into a stadium, and there's another Pokemon trainer that has, like, a Gyarados and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, the Pokemon battle. Like, it's the traditional Pokemon battle that we always see in the games and the shows and stuff, right? Yeah. So apparently, uh, that trainer that walked into the that Pokemon Stadium, canonically, mm-hmm. that is Red from the game. Oh, really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. And also, uh, Red was portrayed by uh, the actor, who I will pull up his name in a second, uh, the actor who played Kamen Rider Drive in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also doing the uh, Japanese voiceover for Justice Smith's character in Detective Pikachu. His name is Ryoma Takeuchi. Nice. Yep. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I'm uh, yeah. I have to go back and uh, c- 
come through that movie. I, 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 I you're gonna, you're gonna come wait. through that movie. That sounds inappropriate. Yeah. Well, I'm. Well, I had, I waited a couple of weeks because like there's not gonna be that many people in the theaters, and because I, I think it's rude to do that like on opening night, but um, uh-huh. uh, you know, full, uh, uh, <laughs> full, 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 full confession. Um, so when I was, oh, no. when I, oh, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Wait, no, now, now we have to know. <laughs> when, I, when I was really little and growing up, um, like, one of my first crushes for, like, a fictional character was Mewtwo, because I was like, damn, he's, uh, he's commanding. Um, if there was anything that you could have confessed um, in that moment <laughs> that I wouldn't have guessed you were going to say, it's that your first crush was on Mewtwo. Uh, what? Would have called him daddy if I could have. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Oh, God. No, please edit that out. <laughs> that's, that's the intro. That's going, that's going as, the, as the intro. Uh, I was real little at the time. <laughs> you know, once again, my name is Mike Paulino. I wish that... Wait, what? I was just going to say, once again, my name is Michael Holler. <laughs> my name is Tyler Andrew Pino. No. Um, what were you about to say? Uh, I was going to say something um, about, I was like, yeah, that would have been a cool Easter egg if we had like a master ball or something in the movie. Because I was thinking like, yeah, how did they catch Mewtwo that first time? Um, I would imagine that like they just used whatever apparatus they did the second time. They didn't use a Pokeball. They used like those weird gadgets. A little electric ball things. I liked Mewtwo's voice. You know, that was, that was another... Uh, oh, yeah, I did, too, where it was, like, a, a a male and a female voice happening together at the same time. Yeah. That was interesting. I liked it. I dug it a lot. We were, we were speculating beforehand, like, who are they going to get to voice Mewtwo? And you said, and you said like, well, unironically, like, I know Idris Elba is the most hypothetically employed man in Hollywood, but Idris Elba would have a really cool voice for that. Yeah. Yeah, but so I was thinking, like, would, somebody with, like, a dark um dark i shouldn't have said dark because that they're gonna think i'm (laughs) fucking racist Uh, um like a deep uh like british voice yeah i think my uh my guess would was something like james omara or someone yeah 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 uh but then you you made a comment or like i don't know maybe it'll fucking end up as melissa mccarthy or some biggest fear in life was that they were gonna do like we'd see mewtwo he'd be like all all fierce and powerful and then he'd like open his mouth and they'd have a meme voice like melissa mccarthy or something like yep that's like one of those moments where like in thor ragnarok where korg opens its mouth and it's taika waititi and you're just like huh yeah but you know for the record love that decision uh Oh yeah, no, Detective Pikachu. It's uh, it's currently what the highest rated video game movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. Its box office numbers were not margin. as good as I wanted them to be because I was hoping, like, I hope that I'm sure that they'll move forward with some kind of sequel. But like, if ever there was, and I'm so sick of this term, but if ever there was like a cinematic universe that I could get behind, it would be a Pokemon one. Um, Just because there's a lot you can do with that. Yeah, and that's oh, the thing. Ideally, like, I ideally, don't need a listen, sequel to Detective ideally, Pikachu in the... Ideally, there's a lot you can do with Star Wars, but we've been seeing how that's going. Yeah. Well, they're taking a break after this next one. They said they're going to have like at least a three-year hiatus after Rise yeah, of Skywalker. 
but we're still going to be getting those Disney Plus shows. And allegedly there's one that's not been announced yet, but we have The Mandalorian, the, uh, the Rogue One prequel, and one other one. But that's going to be happening in the interim. Oh. So they're not taking a break. That was a lie. No. And we still have Star Wars Resistance on the Disney Channel. Did you just and... say a Rogue One prequel? I'm sorry, is that what you said? Yes. That's a real thing? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> but why? It's uh, it's going to star um, Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk as Cassian Andor and K2SO. And it's going to be uh, a Rogue One prequel. Their adventures before Rogue One. What a strange choice. And then also, you know, we... Like, Star Wars Clone Wars is coming back, and we have Star Wars Resistance on now, and just a, just a lot. See, I'm more interested in stuff like that. Like, I, like that, um, what is the, the TV show that uh, they're doing? The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian? Yeah. I'm super psyched for that. I'm more excited for that than I am for uh, Episode Nine. but, you know, that show is catered for me to be excited for it. Yeah, it's like the movies, it's... At this point, even like the the individual, like even if they're doing like bottle episode movies where it's just gonna be like something, it's like I they really have to do something wild and crazy and different for me to get like hyped up. Excited, yeah. um, Because it's like Rogue One was fine. Um, Solo was fine. Rogue One was trash. (laughs) Solo Uh, was all right. Yeah, Solo was better than I, I thought it was going to be. Um, but it's like, I, yeah, I don't need those types of, of movies. Like, I don't need the nostalgia um, aspect of it. Because yeah. I think to Give most people that would Give us, like, a Star Wars-themed heist movie. Right, I think that to most people that would consider themselves Star Wars fans, it's like, Star Wars doesn't ever go away. They're always doing something. There's always some kind of piece of media to consume Star Wars related. So it's like, I don't, like, when when they're doing, like, oh, don't you remember Han Solo? I'm like, yeah. No shit, yeah. Um, It's like, would you like to see young Han Solo? I'm like, I I guess. Like, that's not (laughs) something that, (laughs) it's not something that, like, uh, I, I, I need. Um, give us the fucking, like, uh, uh, a Kodor movie. That's what we need. Um, or, yeah, like, well, do something that we... Do Kennedy, something that's Kennedy, either Kennedy way in the future or way in the past. Um, yeah, Kathleen Kennedy confirmed that a Knights of the Old Republic thing is in development. She didn't specify who was making it or whether it's a movie or a TV series, but she did say that something Knights of the Old Republic themed is being made right now. Mm-hmm. And I think all signs would point to that being the show that, uh, or that being the, the movie that Benioff and Weiss are creating. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and that excitement just fizzled out and died for you, didn't it? Oh, no. Oh, no. You ever hear someone go from, like, 100 to 0 and, like, <laughs> Point three seconds flat, because that was it, ladies and gentlemen. That was it. (laughs) 
Oh, Catholic Kennedy. Went from, like, (laughs) fucking raging erection to flaccid as fuck, like, right then. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Because the thought process that they had was... Oh, knights and shit like Game of Thrones? Let's get Penny <laughs> off in ice. Uh, well, we'll see. Listen, um, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like, the, I feel like the kinds of the kinds of movies that um, Benioff and Weiss would be good for would be closer to Star Wars than Game of Thrones. Because Star Wars, like, yeah, well, there's, there's deep Off lore and stuff. one of the stuff. writers on X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm, yeah, 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 you're not wrong. Um, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I mean to say is, like, uh, Star Wars, yeah, there's deep lore and stuff. There's, there's, there's stuff that you could tap into. But it's not as, like... There, there aren't as many rules as as Game of Thrones. I feel like Benioff and Weiss, they're they're good at making spectacle and stuff, and that's all you really need with Star Wars. It's like you don't need, um, like even even the good Star Wars. Like it's not like they're terribly complex films or uh, terribly complex stories. It's a basic hero's journey. They get they could handle it. I'm sure it'll be fine. They can handle. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Plus, there's... <clears throat> and, I mean, like, Knights of the Old Republic has a lot of source material for it anyways. Like, if they're... And, you know, I mean... It, it well, they is, are very good. Say that they are really good at adapting things. Yeah. Uh, no, and th- th- that is fair there. to say. Because those first four seasons of Game of, Thro- uh, Game of Thrones are, like, some of the best... Are really good. ...seasons yeah. in television. Like, it's... It, it, like, I don't... People will shit on them, and... and uh, at this point, it seems like it's kind of their fault for not like giving us those last two seasons uh, in in their entirety like if they I feel like people would have uh, people would give them a lot more credit if it didn't seem like they were one foot out the door um, I don't also, know well, that that's the yeah. case but that's what also, people are going to say can, can we just talk about how fascinating it is uh, of how quickly all of Game of Thrones eight years worth of goodwill just went down the shitter yeah, like, well, and how fast that change happened. But here's the thing: it's like if you're going to deliver um, truncated seasons, if you're going to go out in six episodes, you really need to make sure that those are the best six episodes of Game of Thrones. Um, because if it's anything less, like the internet is already angry at what's been happening since season five. Um, yeah, that goodwill will go out the door fast. Um, it's not going to take long. Uh, people are not not kind uh, in this day and age to um, <coughs> you know. Yeah, I think TV as, and film. as it stands, like with Rotten Tomatoes, I think Game of Thrones season eight is the lowest rated season in that show's history. That's yeah, something else that happened with uh, with uh, um, Netflix's uh, Voltron series that came out, right? Yeah. Uh, for the most part, fairly solid show. Also, eight seasons. Also, okay. last season was truncated. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those ones where, like, the critical reception for that show tanked in the final season. Like, seasons one through seven, it was, like, 98%, 96%, 94%, 91%. Like, across the board, 
very well received. Final season came along, season 8, 23%. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. I, every once in a while I hear people talking about that uh, Voltron show, um, and I'm always like, wait, they they remade Voltron? And they're like, yeah, it's been around for a They remake Voltron every couple of years. I think this is like the fourth or fifth remake they've had of it. Yeah, I have no... First uh, good one, though. It's, uh... It's um, Joaquin DeSantos and a bunch a bunch of the people like the executive producers and the writing staff that did Avatar: The Last Airbender, the series. Yeah. Uh, it's it's that creative team behind it. So if you're looking for a good spiritual successor to Avatar and you were disappointed by the Legend of Korra, Voltron's a good. It's a good substitute. Yeah, they're remaking Avatar: um, The Last Airbender as a live action Netflix show. Yeah, I don't so know. I've Netflix heard. is doing a lot. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see that, that they're doing Cowboy Bebop as a live action series. I can't believe that's actually I wanna, happening. I feel like uh, I, I I feel like I've been hearing about like a live action Cowboy Bebop for as long as I've been alive. Like, if you were to tell me like people have been saying that for 20 years now i'd be like yeah it sounds about right yeah yeah i mean i'm i'm, I'm ready to see what they do with it I'm, I'm excited i think my only uh my only solid deal breaker is if they don't get yoko kano back to do the score for it then i might be skeptical <sighs> yeah hey so did you know that robert pattinson is playing batman uh, I did. Um, I found that out. I'm uh, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful for it. I am yeah, pissed I'm off really at all the people. Fun. I'm pissed off at all the people that are like, "Ew, the Twilight guy." No, like, but <laughs> honestly, if you were one of those people this past week, fuck you. Like, uh, wait, wait. Like, are, I'm sorry. Are you, are you a big R. Pats fan? No, I'm not. But like, I don't think an actor should be solely remembered yeah, no, and for no, all no. of his merits as an actor to be based around one role one, that one he hated playing yeah um, and like here's the thing it's like if you were god however old he was when he was given that role probably what like maybe 20 um and that's like your agent offers you that part yeah you're gonna fucking take it like i you can't shit on the actor because the material <clears throat> is bad yeah. um he didn't write Twilight, but yeah. I will, I will, uh, and here's the thing that I, I, I've said this to people as well, like, um, when it comes to Batman as a character, I really don't fucking care who plays him, like, as long as it's a person that can act, like, it's a reasonably professional actor, um, I, it, it'll be fine, like, he's not the most complex character. Yes, there's complexities to the character, but in terms of like what they present in film, most of the time, I feel like if you're you're a reasonably talented actor, you could get in shape, then it'll be fine. I'm more, uh, I, I if if somebody was like, um, I don't know, they'd have to be so wrong for it in in order to make me freak out. Especially after Affleck. Like, everybody's reaction to Affleck. I was one of the very rare early supporters of Affleck as Batman. I was like, of course, that makes sense. That would be great. Um, but everybody yeah. else, and like, he, freaked the yeah, fuck out. Yeah, he's given us one of the most interesting on-screen portrayals of the character that I think we've gotten. 
Yeah, um, I really. I think wish the only that he casting that around. I would, I think the only casting call that I would legitimately be not happy with is if they casted Michael Sarah. Yeah, that's what I, I I was struggling for some for an example, but that that's the perfect one. Yeah, if it was like Michael Sarah, I'd be like, well, obviously that doesn't make any sense. Or it, like uh, if it was fucking McLovin, they're like, hey, he's gonna be Batman. I'm like, well, it better be funny. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's it's one of those things where like Robert Pattinson has done so many weird, obscure indie films at this point, where I think he's really kind of proven that he wants to be an actor and that he has the chops to be an actor. So. Sure. Fuck it, give him Batman. I'm I'm excited to see how it looks. Yeah, how old is he? Somewhere in his uh, early thirties. Thirty-three, I think. I think Thirty-three. Yeah. He's um, and this is supposed to be like a younger version of Batman. Not yeah. necessarily. Well, I it's mean, not gonna be like Batman year. Year one or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, for Batman, I the think the news like, I got. The news that got buried under this, though, is that uh, Robert Pattinson's playing Batman, and the villains that he's going to be playing against are the Penguin and Catwoman. What happened to Deathstroke? Didn't they literally well, cast the, Deathstroke? Yeah, it was uh, for the Justice League follow-up, because that was the, the stinger for Justice League, was that it was uh, Batman Yellow's Deathstroke. Okay. Uh, yeah, for some reason, and I that thought was back that when, was... That was back when Ben Affleck was still attached to the project. Yeah, I well, because I thought that it was going to that Deathstroke was in the Batman um when Ben Affleck was directing it but I just assumed that like Affleck fell off but it was still about the same project no I think Matt Reeves came on and they wanted to go in a different direction for the script but they're still calling Uh, it the Batman right correct yeah (sighs) I don't like that I don't know why but putting the the makes it sound more bland yeah I'd agree but that's fine I mean every other thing yeah, like I was gonna say, like we're we're running out of like iterate like Batman monikers that we could slap on these movies. Yeah, you could call it Cape yeah. Crusader, but everybody's gonna be like, "That's pretentious." You're just gonna be like Dark Knight, like oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone someone pointed out though that it was like before uh, Michael Keaton was Batman, he was Mister Mom. He was Mister Mime. Mister Mom. Oh, yeah, I right? remember. Uh, and yeah, then people before... freaked out when Michael Keaton got cast because they were like, "He's but he's just known for comedy." Yeah, and in fairness, so, even in that movie, wasn't really built for the role, but he was good. Yeah, and I don't know. We'll, we'll see. One of, one of the things someone posted online that would be a, a fantasy come true, which is not going to happen, was they posted a picture of uh, Robert Pattinson with an old uh, Michael Keaton, right? Mm-hmm. And then under that photo, they posted Terry McGinnis and old Bruce Wayne from Batman Beyond. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, that shouldn't be Robert Pattinson. Um, but I would love uh, for that movie to happen, like with uh, Michael Keaton playing old Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond movie. That would be so great. Yeah. Like uh, Robert Pattinson's not. Like you know what? What is what is what is more exciting about this? Uh, this DCEU thing because it's, it's been a shit show so far uh, but what is genuinely exciting about it is that I have no fucking idea what their plan is uh, so as a result every every announcement is really Probably exciting like a guy like Marvel, has plans yeah so like Marvel comes out and they're like we're gonna do you know the Eternals and it's gonna be Avengers but not the Avengers or we're gonna do 
Doctor Strange 2 or Black Panther 2 or they have a new San Diego Comic-Con panel where they're announcing more movies and I'm like, cool, whatever, I'm sure they'll be fine, I don't fucking care. Just because their movies have become so predictable that the formula is expected. I legitimately don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but well. yeah, but like with, with DC, I, I don't know what the fuck they're going to announce next. Because I watched Aquaman, and it was fucking stupid. But it was entertaining. Um, and it looks nothing like the Joker. Mm. And that kind of unpredictability... It's like giving a gun to a baby where you don't know what's going to happen. Right. But is it going to make the news? Well, I, I've, so, I've made this point before. Um, it's interesting to see the way that this has played out because it's uh, it reminds me of the differences between DC Comics and Marvel Comics. Um, DC Comics, yeah. uh, Marvel, at least in the last, I'd say, 15-ish years, um they have like a very particular in-house style. Um, you could even argue that they had an in-house style going back to like the Jack Kirby days. It was just a different kind of style, but like you usually know when you're reading a Marvel book by the way that it looks, um, there's, there's definite style variations, but also by the way it feels because I picked up a Marvel comic recently and it was printed on what felt like fucking newspaper, like paper. Really? It was, yeah, it was, it was terrible. It was awful. And then That's I went bad. and picked up a DC comic, and I was like, oh yeah, this feels better. All the papers laminated and fancy. Yeah. And um, it feels like it's worth paying four ninety nine for. Right. Um, but yeah, like they, they all. I wouldn't say that they look the same, but it's clear that um, there was some branding. Uh, with DC comics, it's like, you don't know what the fuck you're gonna get when you pick up a DC book. Like it, it like the art style is drastically different comic to comic. Oftentimes the tone is different comic to comic. Um, and, and you know, it, that, that, that both it, helps and hinders them because it, it gives this whole idea of like, it's it's more of an auteur's comic. I mean, it's not. It's a little corporation, but like, mm-hmm. it gives it that variation of style that makes it more interesting. But at the same time, because there's not a single consistent style, you have quality... And you have storytelling issues. And there was that point a few years ago where they just kept rebooting the DCEU. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it was like DCU, which sucked, and like the New 52. And like, uh, like they, they did it like three or four times. And it was just one of those things where it's like, fucking pick one. Yeah, well, I would argue that the reason that they did that was probably not, not because of varying style issues. I think that would uh, be because of trying to get a unified style um, and then it just not working. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really follow much of the, the most recent reboot. I don't know what the hell is going on in the world of comics right now. Um, but like new 52, what I liked about that was, yeah, they, they, they were all wildly different and it made it. So you kind of wanted what was nice about the reboot thing is it made it such that you wanted to pick up one of every um, character, which is something that very rarely happens. Because, uh, yes, they were going on this this mildly unified story um, in as much as, like, oh, it's the beginning and we're doing, like, origins again or whatever. But it was... What I liked about it was, you know, you pick up... um, an, uh, an issue of Detective Comics, and you pick up an issue of Batman, and they're wildly different. 
Um, they still try to loosely fit it within the same canon, but they're not like super uh, particular about it. They're like, if you have a story you want to tell, tell it on this one, and then maybe the tone will match, uh, or maybe the tone of your story will match a, a, a different line, but we'll still put it out there. Um, and there was a lot of, it, it just felt more creative. Um, like you pick up something like Animal Man, you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, man, that uh, that New 52 Animal Man, like that first 10 issues was fucking superb. Just wonderful. Um, and probably because it was Animal Man and there nobody knows who that is or cares, so they could do whatever the fuck they want. It's not like a legacy character where you have to be true to some sto- sort of uh, style. But... Yeah, I, I tend to like that a little bit better, and that seems to be where the DCEU is headed right now. Um, they tried to do the Marvel thing, and it didn't work, and now I think they're just like, you know, fuck it. We're going to we're gonna be director-driven films, um, uh, and some of them will be good, others might not, but, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, like, yeah. we, box if box they box. had not Life been... Life is like a bike's chocolate. Right. If they hadn't done that, we'd never get something like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, which looks super interesting. I don't know if it'll be good, but I do know that I want to see it. Based on that trailer, I'm like, wow, this is uh, this is different. Um, yeah, and you would so never cool. be able to like you would never be able to do that within the MCU. Like you'll never get something like that. You'll get more consistency, um, <clears throat> uh, but there's sure to be more surefire hits. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, you know. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll reconvene when the Joker comes out, and we'll see. We'll see if we we redact <laughs> our opinions, yeah. being like, no, nah, this is a terrible idea. Burn yeah, it all to the bad. ground. This was dumb. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I'm, like, I'm cautiously optimistic for the future of, like, the DCEU. Because I, I think that, like, right now, with, with the MCU winding down... Um, you can't say winding down. They're still going to keep going. But with, like, you know, their their big main franchise having just come to a conclusion, I think that people will be more uh, open to new things. Um, I think if this Joker movie comes out and it's good, I, I can't wait to see, like, the James Gunn Suicide Squad. Um, yeah, he said that it was, like, the most fun he ever had writing a show. So Yeah, it's, that's terrific. Um, God, like, fucking... What a way to like step in dog shit and come out with like uh, gold. Like James Gunn <laughs> getting fired from um, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, then getting Suicide Squad, probably fixing it to the point that people will like it again, and then getting yeah. getting rehired and getting back, <laughs> getting to go back to Guardians of the Galaxy. Like who would have thought that like he was the one who would come out on top in that? Like uh, take that. Uh, Whatever, whatever internet troll dug up the old shit that he said. Every wow, it just worked out so well for James Gunn. Well, I applaud <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. You should watch the Expanse so we can talk about that. What? You should watch the Expanse. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll check it I'm out. I'm gonna let that show's not talked about more. Yeah, we're trying to do more podcasts. We're trying to get like more stuff out there. Like we'll have that Detective Pikachu one coming out for people. I'm saying this to you as if I'm saying it to the audience, but um, yeah. So like whenever you want to do, 
podcasts more often, you asshole. Uh, yeah, you should just just, yeah. just talk to me. We'll we'll talk about the future of John Wick in a future one. Because mm-hmm. fuck, man, I don't know how any action movie ever is going to top that. Yeah, yeah. But I do <coughs> have to go. Okay. Well, it was good talking to you, sir. Um, uh, my Absolutely. name is my name is Tyler Andrepino. And my name is Michael Holler. And if you have takeaway, oh, God damn it, Sid, for you, stop. <laughs> my name is Michael Holler. And if you're gonna take away one thing from this podcast, please do not remember that thing I said about Mewtwo. Oh no, that's never gonna be forgotten. Uh, get out of my house. <laughs>